be answered when the line is available. Welcome into Gotta Take This on WUR Lexington. I'm Crawford Humphreys. He is Cole Heisner. Welcome to our second to last show of the semester. It's been so much fun bringing you our offbeat sports talk show here on WUR Lexington. And we can't get started today without giving a big happy birthday to Kendrick Perkins. We're recording this on Tuesday. It's going to air on Wednesday. Today is Perk's birthday. A big happy birthday to, to the man, the myth himself. Yeah, the big Perk. Uh, you know, we, we show a lot of love on this show. Make sure you eat an extra slice of cake for us. I, although I bet you probably already were going to do that. <laughs> but have, a, have a good birthday. Have a good birthday, big man. Well, when we left y'all last time, we were talking about Notre Dame and Clemson, the ACC rubber match that took, took place this past weekend. And lo and behold, Notre Dame pulled off a massive upset. It was in South Bend, but they pulled it off in double OT. Clemson, of course, playing without Trevor Lawrence. And we can talk about this later. You can talk about it now. He wasn't allowed to play, but he was allowed to stand on the sidelines. I, don't, I didn't understand the, the technicality there and, and why he wasn't allowed to just be in the game. Um, he must have been cleared of COVID, but not cleared to play. Uh, but Notre Dame pulls off the win, 47-40, to 40, and their defense came up huge because they stopped a uh, touchdown by Clemson that would have put it into triple overtime. Clemson's offensive line also kind of fumbled at the end, uh, just didn't really do a good job of, of protect, protecting their QB and allowed Notre Dame to – I think it was, what, at one point, it was like, what, third and 15, third and something? They, they, they made that last drive really, really hard for Clemson. Um, but a huge win for Notre Dame. Kids stormed the field, huge controversy over that. And uh, speaking, of, speaking of COVID, we'll get into that in our UFC fight of the week. But Cole, what do you make of this? Um, I'm sure we're going to see this matchup again in the ACC championship because there are no divisions this year in the ACC. It's just the top two teams play each other. Um, and with the way UNC has been playing recently, it looks like it's going to be Notre Dame-Clemson. So what do you make of this? Do you think this is a one-time thing or do you think Notre Dame is going to punch their ticket to, uh, to the playoff here? I think that Notre Dame really did what they had to do here. Um, if they had come out and lost to a Trevor Lawrence-less Clemson team, it would have been a huge blow to the program, I think. You know, they're ranked super high this year. They were, you know, killing teams before this. And they get a shot at Clemson, you know, the big dog in that conference um, and one of the top dogs in the entire country. Without their star quarterback, you got to knock them off. Even though it took overtime, this is a huge win for Notre Dame. It doesn't matter if the quarterback wasn't there. It's not what you're going to remember. You might remember running on the field, which, you know, we might touch on that in a little bit, the controversy around that. But, you know, you did what you had to do. I mean, to be a championship caliber team, you've got to win this game. If the other team doesn't have their quarterback, you've got to win. Um, and from Clemson's perspective, you know, I think you – it's difficult because losing for Clemson is so rare. You know, Trevor Lawrence, I think, had only lost, like, what, one game before this as a starter. And obviously, Syracuse. I think it was 2017 to Syracuse. That was the last time Clemson lost in the regular season. Yeah, so Clemson doesn't lose football games. So a loss is still a loss. Um, but, again, you know, now Notre Dame, I believe they leapfrogged Ohio State. They're now number two in the country. You took the number two team in the country in their place with a packed crowd. I mean, we saw how many people were there. You took them to double OT, almost won with your freshman backup quarterback, and you've got the best player in the country coming back. Clemson, hate to lose, but you feel good coming in. And then also Notre Dame, I think, you know, they're probably nervous, but still, a win is a win. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a short-lived victory for Notre Dame. I think the ACC championship, when you're playing again in a neutral field and you have Trevor Lawrence back, I think that's a total game-changer. You wouldn't expect Trevor Lawrence to, to play the way that, that Clemson's freshman backup did coming down the stretch in double overtime. You'd expect Trevor to make plays and be on his feet. Um, so I think that, that the things will shift 
Um, but Notre Dame, to their credit, had a very, very sizable lead. And, and we talked about this last time uh, when Clemson almost lost to Boston College, I guess a week ago now. Trevor Lawrence doesn't play defense. And Clemson's defense has really, really struggled these past couple of games. I think the lead for Notre Dame was, what, 23 to 13? Yeah, so Clemson allowed, what, 20, allowed 23 points in the first half um, before tying it up with, uh, with 10 unanswered in the third quarter. Um, and then they allowed 10 points for Notre Dame in the fourth quarter and another two touchdowns in OT. I mean, their defense has just been struggling. And I don't know if it's the fact that people are starting to play aggressive against them. They kind of know that if they can run the table a little bit and uh, shake Clemson out of their shoes early on, it's going to be hard for their defense to recover. Um, but, but if I'm Dabo Sweeney, I'm, I'm less focused on Trevor Lawrence and the offensive play, and, and all my focus right now is on, is on defense. Because if you, you know, with the way Clemson's looking right now, they're what in the country? Are they moving to four? They're four now? Four, yeah. So, so they're playing Alabama in the first round. And that if I'm Dabo, I'm worried about my defense being able to contain Bama's offense in, in the first round of that playoff if the rankings hold for where they are right now. I would say I totally agree that the defense is really the main question mark because you're plugging in the best player in the country, a quarterback. That's going to solve a lot of problems. Um, however, you know, at the highest level of football, which these guys are playing at, you know, offense, defense, and special teams are more related than you think. It's field position is such a huge part of the game. You know, it, it really flows together. You know, defense can make a play, get field position for the offense, they score. So, yes, Trevor Lawrence doesn't play defense, but from a defensive player's from Clemson's perspective, Trevor Lawrence, he has long drives, he runs up the score. You know that the other team that you're defending against has to pass to keep up with you. You know kind of what they have to do. So, yes, Trevor Lawrence doesn't play defense, but he puts his defense in such a good position that, like you said, you know, teams are realizing that, that they, they can go at Clemson now and they can, might be able to mix in some more runs, mix in some, you know, uh, play action. They don't just have to spread the field and throw, throw, throw to keep up with, you know, Trevor Lawrence. So, it's to- the quarterback can have a big – and, you know, that's, that's partly my pitch for why Tom Brady is, you know – uh, I hate when people, you know, diminish how, how important a quarterback is for all parts of your team because field position is so important. Controlling the ball is so important. So, you know, uh, I don't know. I think the defense, I think it'd be a surprising leap in their, you know, effectiveness when he does come back because I think it is huge to have a quarterback that just controls the game like him. Yeah, and I agree. But even with uh, even if you get Trevor Lawrence back, it makes me wonder how they would perform against a strong defense like Bama in the college football playoff if they end up playing either in that first round or in the championship game itself. Um, because if you have a, a defense like Bama that's forcing Trevor three and outs and, and not going to be able to run up the score like he does on, you know, Georgia Tech or Wake Forest, for example, you know, how's that going to affect uh, Clemson's defense? And especially when you have to contain Mac Jones, who is now the front runner for Heisman and their high-powered offense. Um, it, it just doesn't seem like a, a sustainable thing, even if you do plug Trevor Lawrence back in later on. Um, because if you're playing a strong defense, you know, even if you have the best player in the country like Trevor, I just don't see them having the efficacy on offense they do against these tiny ACC opponents. And that's what worries me the most um, for them going into the college football playoff eventually. I think it also speaks to like, I've talked, I've talked about this before, I think on the show, but how hard it is in an individual career in college football to win two national championships as a starter. It's so rarely, rarely happens. Like going, if you just go back in history, I mean, Tim Tebow won two national titles, but he was like a goal line specialist his freshman year when they won it. Then he won it again as a starter. So Trevor Lawrence winning it as a freshman, you know, Tua won it as a freshman. Everyone thought Tua was going to get two, three, four national titles, three Heisman's best player ever. It is, even though we talk about how it's, you know, Alabama, Clemson every single year, 
it's so hard for guys to win two national titles. I do think some Alabama players have done it, but that is different. Norm for for regular for regular guys, yeah, although Trevor Lawrence isn't regular, but it's just so hard to win two national titles as a starter. Um, so you know, if Trevor Lawrence can pull it off and he can pull this team together, because there is a lot to be pulled together and it's more weight on his shoulders than previous years, I believe. Um, I think it would be a huge testament and he would have a case for one of the best college football players of all time. Um, so I don't know. I'm excited to see him back. Is he back next week? I think next week officially. That's, that's, yeah. I, you have to assume if he is on, in quarantine or whatever for COVID, but he's allowed on the sideline. I guess he has to come back this week. That, rule, yeah. that technicality makes no sense. Um, but it's yeah. nothing as bad as – have you seen the Big Ten's rule for COVID? It's absurd where it's like oh. it's a 21, 21 days after you get it until you can come wow. back. It's that's insane. So yeah. Wisconsin, for example, had a strong start, and they were top 10, and then their quarterback got COVID, and now he is out for the next three weeks. So they that's like, and, that's and, like and, after season, right? And yeah, exactly. And with the Big Ten, they have no room to be postponing. I think they can postpone maybe one game at the most um, in order to get the minimum amount of games and to be considered for the college football playoff. So that literally just derailed their entire season just because of the the twenty one day rule, um, which is kind of kind of crazy if you ask me. So yeah. I think it's a little little overboard. Yeah, absolutely. But, but we'll move to Trev- from Trevor Lawrence to the NFL. And, and speaking of Trevor Lawrence, why not start with the, uh, the Pats game last night uh, with the Jets, who almost got their first win of the season. They now fall to, what, 0-9? Um, yes. But they were, they were in it for a long time with the Patriots. It really came down to the fourth quarter when the Patriots scored 13 unanswered to pull out a 30-27 uh, to 27 win on a last-second field goal as time expired. Cam Newton credited with the final drive, he was 27 for 35 with 274 yards. But the Jets, for, for a minute there, looked like they, uh, they might have been uh, able to get their first win against the Pats. And I don't even know when the last time this, the, the, the Jets beat the Patriots. Um, a lot of people were saying that Belichick won that game on – was going to lose that game on purpose to pull the Jets out of the running for Trevor Lawrence, yeah. <laughs> which would have, been, would have been the ultimate long game move by him. Yeah. Um, but how scared were you watching that game? You know um... – I was nervous because, you know, the Pats were in a precarious position. You know, I think they were like two and five going into that game. And then losing to the worst team in the league would have really meant that, like, wow, like we are so far from the playoffs. It's like we are so far from where we thought we would be. So it's a good win. You know, the Patriots have had a lot of really close games this year. You know, Seahawks, Bills, um, Broncos as well. Three games that came down to the last possession. They're driving down and they're not able to score to win the game. So, even though it's the Jets, even though it's a team that is pretty clearly tanking by continuing to have Adam Gase as their head coach, um, <laughs> I mean, and and like we've said, Frank Gore and Joe Flacco, which would be a sick, you know, team in 2010. Joe Flacco was looking elite last night. I, I will give him that. Yeah, absolutely. But I, so, again, even though it's against, like, the worst team in the league, still the comeback and win a game I think means a lot for a team that's been there in a lot of games, hasn't been able to close it out, and, you know, probably feels like, like our record says we're bad. We could be in a much stronger position. Um, so I don't know. I think it was a big one for the Patriots. I was, I was definitely a little nervous though, to answer your question. Um, would have been a really bad loss, really bad loss. Uh, that would have been one that the Jets fans would have held over the new England fan base for a long, long time. Yeah. You know, Cause it's, it's one thing to lose to a, a below average Jets team, but when you're the one win, for a winless for a Jets team that probably what is going to go winless for the rest of the season or could um, that, that that's going to be be held over your head for a very long time. I mean that's that's bottom of the barrel right there. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, I think the announcer said like in the first half the Jets scored twenty points in their prior three games they had scored a combined nineteen points. 
Hyperdrive, baby. Yeah. Adam Gates Hyperdrive. Gotta love it. He activated. Yeah. I mean, real meeting of the minds, you know, Belichick on defense. <laughs> of the Titans. Yeah, exactly. So It's like Edison um, and Einstein just going head to head. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, but I was terrified when they gave up 20. I was like, oh my goodness, the Patriots really are a bad team. Like, it's not like these close games, like we shouldn't have even been in these close games. We didn't deserve to win them. So. And credit to Cam for that that final drive to get the uh, get in field goal range and, and set up the game winning kick. He did a great job there and and kind of righted his wrongs from the from the past couple of games when he didn't deliver under pressure like a like a franchise quarterback should. Absolutely, and he really has to. He threw it really well, which is huge for him. You know, the Patriots really have just no weapon. I mean, literally like the worst receiving core in the league. Um, Sony Michelle is still out. You know, James White is getting old. Uh, so it. Yeah, it's Cam threw it really well. And also credit to Jacoby Myers. I think he had a career high in catches. Um, almost, I think, like over 150 yards receiving, over 10 catches. Um, again, Patriots, I mean, they've only got like two receivers that they really run with at this point with Edelman out as well. So both guys are like seventh round or undrafted guys who really probably wouldn't make other rosters. But they stepped up and Cam made throws when they needed to make throws. Um, you know, it's a running team, but. Yeah, again, definitely credit to Cam because that was a tough game in Buffalo, you know, losing that with his fumble and came back and got a comeback win. So, I don't know. I mean, playoffs, um, I think I think we could probably be penciled in in the playoffs. Crazier things have happened, for sure. Yeah. Definitely happened. All right, well, well let's move through these games real quick. Uh, we'll just popcorn through them, pull up the ESPN NFL scoreboard. Uh, let's start with the uh, the Thursday night game where the Packers beat the 49ers 34-17. to Aaron Rodgers, 25-31, uh, with over 300 yards passing and four touchdowns. Um, an insane performance by him. That being said, it's against the 4-5 and five Niners who are 1-4 and four at home this year. Um, but, but what are your thoughts on the Packers? Do you think they're uh, a lock for, for a deep playoff run this year? I don't know. Um, it's tough because, you know, Buccaneers beat them pretty handily, and then Buccaneers got creamed. Exactly. We'll it's, I, I don't know what, where to compare them at this point. The, the chain of, of command here is all messed up. Yeah, very, very illogical kind of. Yeah, you, you got know, the, the trains of property of equality just running all over the place here. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think the Packers are one of the best teams in the NFC. I think, you know, they could, they could make a run. I don't want to pencil them in anywhere, but, you know, I, I think they're one of the best teams, and it, it's going to be a tough playoffs, I think, you know, unless things kind of clear up in the back half of the season. But I don't know. I think there are a lot of teams in the NFC that could come out of that division and face whoever, you know, wins the AFC. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I was about to add that the, the NFC really is wide open. Um, aside from the NFC East, of course, you have the Packers, um, you got the Bears who, who are still above 500. Um, and then the NFC South, you've got the Saints and the Bucks, um, And then the NFC West, you have the Cardinals and the Seahawks and the Rams. I mean, there, there are so many players here. Um, it, it really feels wide open. I, re- I don't think anyone could make a, a strong, educated guess on who's going to win that, that division. Um, just because there's so much talent. It rem- it's kind of like the Western Conference in the NBA. It's just, you know, or pre-Golden State Super Team. It's just a, kind of a toss-up every year. You know, you have so much talent equally dispersed throughout all these teams um it's it's going to be hard to predict but that's going to be the uh the division to watch for sure um that being said i do think the seahawks are going to be one the ones to make it out eventually um unless the the washington football team puts on a puts on a late run (laughs) um because because russ cannot cook in washington i guarantee that (laughs) they're gonna lock that man down yeah absolutely um sunday games uh falcons hung on at home against the broncos 34 to 27 
Um, that's something you hear often too. Falcons no. hanging on. That's that's a very weird phrase to hear, honestly. I know. Yeah, Jerry Judy seven catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown for the Broncos. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Broncos are another team that's kind of in a weird place, like um, where they're not really a contending team yet, but they've got a lot of young talent. They're sitting at three and five, but you feel like it's a tough team to beat. Um, similar to the Chargers, I would say, where their record, you know, says they're not doing well, but you know, you got to really prepare for them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, good win for the Falcons, I would say, three and six. I mean, after what they start off zero and four. I mean, uh, they'll take they'll take anything at this point. Yeah. So uh, it, hopefully, I mean, not hopefully because I don't have any hope or you know stake in the Falcons doing well, but. You know, I, I like Matt Ryan. He's from Boston College. I, I used to have a fat head of him in my room. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I hope they maybe finish 7-9. and nine. We'll see. Who knows? Who, and also, who cares? It's just the Falcons. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and then the Bills Seahawks. I'll give, I think that was America's game of the week. Uh, the Bills pull off a big win there, 44-34. to 34, um, And both teams are now now have two losses on the season. Bills are 7-2 and two and Seahawks are 6-2. and two. Um, Josh Allen threw for over 400 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and, and Russ Wilson threw for two touchdowns and two interceptions. He did not have his, his best day. The Seahawks were actually scoreless after the first quarter, um, and the Bills put up two touchdowns there. And after that, they never looked back. Um, but but a, a rare off day for Russell Wilson, especially in the midst of, of what many agree to be an MVP caliber season. He steps up against a strong opponent uh, with Josh Allen and the Bills and, and doesn't deliver. Um, I, I personally say take this as an off day. Um, you know, you're playing in Buffalo, and, and it's always going to be tough there with, with the conditions and everything. Um, but just it's just weird, a very weird performance, not something you'd expect from, from that kind of team that's played like a well-oiled machine basically this entire season. Yeah, and I think it's a huge one for the Bills, too. I mean, I think they're a sneaky contender to make the AFC title game. Um, you know, I, I would not want to face them in the playoffs, especially if you have to go up to Buffalo. Like you mentioned, that's tough to play there, especially as, you know, it gets colder and colder. Um, but, I mean, I, I would say this is a big testament to the, the Bills kind of rebranding as, like, a, a pass-first team. You know, we talked about, you know, the let Russ Cook movement where the Seahawks now pass at, like, the highest rate on first and second down, or first down and then second and long, which is huge. That's when you should be passing. A lot of teams still don't do it. Um, and the Bills are right there with them. They pass on first down. They pass on second and long. They pass all the time. You know, big trade for Stephon Diggs this offseason. Looks like it's really paying off. Josh Allen looks like, you know, he's got the arm. He's got the accuracy. He's really gone up this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the Bills are a real dark horse. to If I'm, if I'm a team like the Steelers, you know, Ravens, uh, Chiefs, I think you got to start worrying about Buffalo. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just think they're a tough team. Defense looks good. And if they can put up points to hang with the Seahawks, who are one of the high-scoring teams in the league, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I think they're going to be a tough, a tough team moving forward. No, I totally agree. I think you hit hit the hammer on the on the nail with everything you just said there. I agree with every single point down the line there. Um, but I do think they, they are a sneaky contender. They're going to have to get past Big Ben, um, whose future is uncertain, and we'll we'll get to him in a little bit. After what a roller coaster week for him, but, but we'll get we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but the Bills, man, they're looking strong. And, and kind of like what I've said about the Raiders earlier, but to a much higher degree, um, they really have kind of fulfilled the, the true NFL rebuild, um, making smart trades, doing well drafting like they did with Josh Allen. Um, they, they 
did it without making any shortcuts. And it, it was a long-term process from, from Tyrod Taylor to where they are now. Um, but they've done a, an, an incredible job thus far. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can kind of rewrite the style book for, for how to rebuild in, in, the, in the, uh, the way the league is nowadays. Absolutely. I'd also say credit to Sean McDermott, the coach who's been there when they were, you know, that bottom of the AFC East. And he's remained there while they've, you know, rebuilt and really built a strong culture. Um, but anyways, our next game, Bears lost to the Titans. Titans are now 6-2 and two after, you know, a couple surprising losses two weeks in a row before this. Bears, eh, it was a lot. It was a lot. Uh, it was not as close as the score suggests. Bears had 17 points kind of in garbage time. Um, Nick Foles had to pass it 52 times. Um, only complete 36 of those. And, um, yeah, Titans are, you know, 6-2, and two, another team that kind of like kind of like the Bills, you know, where they, they made a run last year, but they've, they've – it wasn't a fluke. I think they're still a good team. Mike Vrabel's a good coach. Um, and they've got probably the best pure, like, running running back in the league in Derrick Henry, who was pretty much contained this week. But, you know, I think he's still leading the league in rushing. Um, and, again, as the weather gets colder, maybe they have to go up to Buffalo to play a game in the playoffs – that's a good guy to have. So yeah, I think, I think that this is a good one for the Titans and another tough team moving forward. Yeah. Kind of, kind of worried about the bears because they started off the season strong three, and zero undefeated under uh, Mitch Trubitsky. And in my mind, I, I feel like it might be time to, to put him back under center and give him some more time um, because they are on the verge of, of dropping to 500 if they do lose this weekend. Um, and and it, at that point, you know, you kind of really have nothing to lose. Um, they're in a very, very, strong division like we said with the nfc i mean they're going up against um you know the seahawks for example and and plenty of other teams the the future playoff wise might be looking bleak and so that's in my mind an indicator that maybe you should experiment a little bit you know why now that you've kind of played yourself out of of strong contention and you know that there's not a not a lot of wiggle room come playoff time um and, and trubisky was three no as a starter I, you know Foles has had his share of, of rough games and um, I know he's the guy down the stretch that you can trust just because he has that Super Bowl win. But it was working early on for them uh, with Trubitsky, and it, it kind of confuses me about um, where they where they can go from here um, in terms of, of shifting around their quarterbacks while they still have some some time to experiment. Yeah, they're also just a kind of no-man's land with quarterbacks. You know, Trubisky doesn't look like he's going to get a big extension. Um, if any extension, he looks like he might go kind of the Blake Bortles route where he becomes a backup after his first contract. Um but the Bears also are not positioned to really get a good draft pick where they can come in and get, you know, uh, a big name, you know, coming into this really strong year of quarterbacks. So, yeah, kind of a tough spot for the Bears. You almost wish they had lost those first three games so it would be a little clearer that this was not the year. Um, but, yeah, I kind of agree. If Trubisky's healthy, I think he has a shoulder issue maybe. Um, but if he's healthy, I think roll with him. I mean, he's the guy who drafted high. Um, it, maybe he shows a flash, give him another contract. Maybe – or otherwise he proves you, you know, correct that he's not the guy and you can feel strong enough to really walk away this offseason. Um, our next game, Ravens went into Indy, beat the Colts 24-10, to pretty convincing. Um, yeah, Phillip Rivers, no touchdowns through a pick. Pretty much wire-to-wire victory for the, uh, for the Ravens. They had that one long pick six that was in the highlights. The guy jumped over Phillip Rivers. He tried to kind of – I heard described as a starfish tackle he tried to tackle. It was, it was the most painfully unathletic thing I think I've ever seen on, on an NFL field. Um, but my apologies because last weekend I talked about how this might have been, been must-see TV this weekend just with the way the Colts were playing it at 5-2. and two. Um, But that <laughs> – my hopes for that were, were dashed pretty quickly because Phillip Rivers had a, had a tough day with an interception. 
Um, Lamar Jackson um, played well. He had 13 carries uh, for 58 yards and a touchdown. Um, I think he was actually like the lead, he was the leading rusher for the Ravens, leading passer and leading rusher per usual. Um, and the Ravens get a convincing win. Um, but <laughs> the cold stock dropped pretty quickly for me after that game. Yeah, I totally agree. When they were at five and two, we were so surprised by that. I thought, wow, you know, Phil Burton might be working. I haven't really watched any of their games, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it seems like they've, they're a little bit back to earth. They're, they're kind of a middle of the pack, above average, you know, AFC team. Um, Rivers looked like Phillip Rivers in that game. That's, I, I think that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, I don't really think they're going to contend with the Titans for that AFC South title. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe a wild card, wild card seed. Um, I don't know, though. Uh, yeah, probably not going to. After this week, probably not going to be must-see TV again for me, if I'm being, nope. I'm being completely honest. Um, our next game, the Chiefs beat the Panthers in a surprisingly close game, 33-31. to 31. Pat Mahomes threw for four touchdowns, 372 yards. Christian McCaffrey was back this week, scored a touchdown. Um, Travis Kelsey, 10 catches. Um, this was a little – I was surprised this was so close. This was a game I thought might be kind of a blowout. Um, you know, obviously Christian McCaffrey's back, which is exciting, but he's not as much of a game changer. You know, he's an incredible player, obviously, but um, he's not the kind of guy who can take a team like the Panthers and beat the Chiefs. But, you know, they kept it close. You know, credit to them. Teddy Bridgewater played well. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you think that they're – this was just, you know, they played well one game, or do you think this was uh, – Panthers might be, you know, nipping at the heels of the Saints and the, and the Bucks. Well, Bridgewater threw for over 300 yards and two touchdowns, and McCaffrey had a solid day too. The reason why I don't put them at that pedestal yet is because McCaffrey suffered another injury in that game. Um, if you look dur- during the game on the sideline, he was getting his shoulder massage and you know putting ice on it and everything. And now I think he's he's day to day because of that shoulder injury. He was getting banged up. Um, the Chiefs' defense definitely did a good job of containing him and <laughs> giving him some some putting some wear and tear on him for sure. But that's the reason why I, I just don't know if I can I can trust the Panthers without McCaffrey, um, given his status, given his injuries throughout the season. Um, really, really don't know where they are without him. Um, and I don't think they would have been in this game like they were without McCaffrey. I, I totally agree. Yeah, I, maybe you know, answering my own question whether they're actually nipping at the nipping at the heels. I really don't. I mean, if anything, it just proves that they're another team, kind of like we talked about um, the the Broncos, where it's it's a good football team um, that you have to really prepare for. They're not a pushover, um, but I don't think they're really a playoff team this year. And the Chiefs again look look incredible. Pat Mahomes has something crazy, like twenty three touchdown passes on the year and only one interception. Uh, I'm not sure exactly on that number, but he's he's having a. It, I think it's him and Russell for the, and potentially Josh Allen if they maybe if they win out for the for the MVP, which sounds crazy. Josh Allen MVP, but yeah, you know the Chiefs look like they're going to be right back, you know, at that Super Bowl level that they were at last year, which is where we expected. But there's usually a hangover from the Super Bowl, not for them though, not for the yeah, Chiefs, not for them at all. And moving on to the next game, what a what a drop off from the the Chiefs to uh, the Lions and the Vikings. Um, I can guarantee that the viewership on this game was probably 20% people from Minneapolis and Detroit, and then the other 80% was people who have Dalvin Cook on their fantasy team. Um, he's, he's the real bright spot in that game that the Vikings won 34-20. to 20. Uh, Dalvin Cook had 22 carries. He rushed for over 200 yards and two touchdowns. He's been playing out of his mind. He is statistically one of the best players in the NFL right now, and he is on an insane statistical run. Um, but the, the Vikings get the win because of him. Um, and uh, some solid, a solid performance from Kirk Cousins as well, who threw for three touchdowns. 
Um, but man, Dalvin Cook is, <laughs> he's insane. Uh, that rushing for over 200 yards. I don't, re- there was some crazy stat that I saw earlier this week that I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but something about him like rushing for over 400 yards combined, like the past two games, since he's come back from his injury. He has over like four touchdowns already since coming back from this injury. Um, he, he's been playing so well. It's insane. Yeah. He's the guy who like, when he's healthy, he's just so electric. I mean, the, the, the injury bug for him has been a real bummer as just an NFL fan with no stake in, you know, the Vikings because you want to see him play. Um, another thing I, I think is just bizarre is that, you know, Danny Amendola was a leading receiver, I think, in the entire game uh, for, the, for the Lions, you know, the kind of building a New England North, but kind of 2015 New England North, uh, up, you know, in, in Detroit with Matt Patricia. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think either of these teams are – really you know too exciting as we move into the back half of the season although you know if Dalvin Cook can really tear it up you never know I mean uh, I think you know Adrian Peterson when he had his two 2,000 yard season or like so close to 2,000 yards you know uh, five six years ago I think he carried them to the playoffs I'm pretty sure I might be wrong but so you never know a great running back can still have value in the league if he can stay healthy which I really hope that he can and All right, let's move into um, our next game after that. Uh, well, <laughs> not another great game to talk about. It's Giants being the uh, Washington football team, 23-20. to 20. Um, The Giants move to 2-7. and seven. Washington falls to 2-6. and six. Um, Alex Smith is now, once again, the QB for the Reds, or sorry, for the Washington football team because um, of Kyle Allen's injury. I think he's I – don't, I, don't, I wasn't paying attention to the game. Um, but they're down to their third quarterback after benching Dwayne Haskins. Their backup gets injured, and now Alex Smith, their third stringer, is in. Once again, it's another game where you're holding your breath every time he goes down because you have no idea what's about to happen. I'm sure his family is doing the exact same, but but a big win for the Giants, um, who uh, you know are, are kind of barely getting by this season. Um, and, and Danny Dimes is uh, – I don't really know how to describe, describe the way that man has been playing. I wish I could put, a, put a, an adjective to it. Um, but he uh, threw for 212 yards and one touchdown. Um, but this team is just barely scraping by without Saquon. And it will be interesting to see if he can add another dimension to them last season uh, now that this year is basically a throwaway. Yeah, although I will say I've been developing a, a system the past couple weeks where I pick one or two NFL games that I think are just locks. One team's going to win. It's a lock. I don't, I don't bet on sports, but I'm testing this theory that I, if I can pick these locks and if I can do it for the rest of the season, I might start just because, and anyways, Giants were one of my locks this week. It was, I picked the Steelers and the Giants, not because I'm high on the Giants, but just because I think that the NFC East is, is in such a just purgatory that like. <laughs> That's a perfect way to describe it. If there's a chance for teams like, you know, the, the Washington football team and the Giants to remain tied in the standings and one team not go up on the other, they're going to remain tied. This, this division is going to remain as like low as it can possibly be. Um, that's why I picked the Giants. I turned out to be right. You know, uh, they tried to throw it away. You know, I think they scored all their points in the first half. But, yeah, so that's – I'm so far I'm 3-0 and picking games that, uh, that I think are just locks. I hope Goodell just ends up come playoff time, just ends up taking away a playoff spot from the NFC East and just giving it to another team that is far more deserving of it than anyone in that, in, anyone in that conference. Anyone. It would be so brutal if you're looking at, like, you know, the NFC West and teams like, you know, the – the, the Rams or Cardinals get locked out of the playoffs because the spot has to be. they're putting the Eagles in or the Giants in, you know. Yeah, just brutal, brutal. Uh, but we'll, we'll move on from this game. I hope no one is too, is too excited about that. 
Texans, another kind of a blah game. Texans beat the, the Jaguars 27 to 25. Um, I didn't really follow this. The, the, the Jaguars have moved on from – is uh, what's his name? Um, the guy with the mustache. Uh, what's oh, his it's um, – how am I forgetting – how am I forgetting this man's name? He's iconic. It's uh, Gardner Minshew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he, did he not play this week? He was hurt? I, I missed that. I, I think he was actually on the uh, – he might have been on the, uh, the COVID list, actually. Oh, wow. Hmm. Guy, with a, guy with a mustache might, uh, might have COVID. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Um, anyways, I mean, I guess, you know, good, good win for the Texans. We didn't have to talk about this one too much. I, didn't, I did not catch this game, just from being straight up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're sitting at 2-6. and six. Jaguars are now 1-7. and seven. Looking like it's going to be a race to the bottom between them and the Jets to to win this Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. That's why that's why the Jets are are holding on to Adam Gase right now. That's yeah. <laughs> they're trying to to break the uh, break the Lions record and go winless. Um, but but let's move to to the Raiders and the Chargers. Thirty one to twenty six is the final score in favor of the Raiders. Justin Herbert with another strong game, but once again the Chargers end up blowing it down the stretch, uh, which is a pattern that we have seen. All too much this season. The Chargers, who were two and six, could easily be uh, closer to five hundred than they are right now. Had just a few breaks gone their way, and had they been able to to hold on to a lead late in the game. Uh, but Herbert threw for over three hundred yards, three hundred twenty-six to be exact, uh, with two touchdowns. Um, and, and Nelson Aguilar's hands are back. I don't know if you've been. <laughs> that might be the, the greatest comeback of the year. Is, is Nelson Aguilar's hands now that he's uh, in Las Vegas? I mean, he has been killing it. Um, much to the dismay of Eagles fans, uh, of course, there's the, the, the famed interview on the new show talking about how uh, if Nelson Aguilar was, what, a firefighter and someone tried to throw a baby out of a burning house, he wouldn't be able to catch it, you know? Yeah, we, they were throwing babies out of the window and we were catching them, unlike Aguilar. Unlike Aguilar, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, yeah. The, this game was sweet. I mean, this was a great end of the game. I mean, the, the Chargers had two, you know, they threw, threw two fade routes. They drove down trying to win it or um, – Win it or set to overtime, I believe, win it. Let me check the score. Yes, win it. Um, and it really looked like they might – they looked like they caught the first one. They didn't. Uh, looked like it caught, they caught the second one. They called it a touchdown with no time remaining. Um, and then they reviewed it, and it was clearly – you know, he just kind of trapped it underneath them. So, you know, another tough loss for the Chargers. This is, I think, the prototypical team that is just really they're, – they're a good team. They just – they're not winning games, which is, you know – um, very frustrating, I would imagine, as a Chargers, you know, part of the organization or as a fan. Um, but you just got to be excited about Justin Herbert, I think. That's the biggest thing. I mean, he looks great. He looks like, you know, if they can just close out a few of these games, they're in such a different position. And, you know, you've got him locked up for, like, the foreseeable future. So I think you got to – On a rookie great. deal, too. I mean, you're pay- yeah. paying him bare minimum. I think he's solidified himself as, as the future franchise quarterback for the Chargers. Um, but at the same time, this team just – consistently finds a way to, to lose in, in devastating fashion um, coming up short in the closing seconds of, of the past couple of games. And it, it's, t- it's tough because they're at two and six right now and, and one and three overall. Um, and, and right now they're at the bottom of, of their division, uh, of course, with Kansas City um, and the Raiders and, and the Broncos. But this could be such a different outlook for them had a few breaks gone their way, like I said earlier. Um, Herbert's been playing well, and to his credit, you know, as a rookie, I don't think he could ask for, for much more than what he's been contributing. Um, but it just it, 
just so many just coming down the stretch so it's like what happened with the Falcons earlier this season things could just be so much different if, if a few things go their way and if they're able to execute better um, um late in games I think that could really change things for them yeah I, I totally agree um our next game another game that came down to the wire kind of surprisingly um because you know I, I picked the Steelers as my lock of the week this week and I was correct but you know barely uh Steelers beat the Cowboys uh 24 to 19 came down to the final play um, you know, Cowboys were on to their third quarterback, fourth quarterback for the year, fourth quarterback off the practice squad, um, you know, played them well. I mean, Steelers, this is their second week in a row that they've, you know, the other team's been throwing a ball into the end zone to win or tie, and they've batted it away. So, you know, we always say a win is a win, but for the Steelers, they're looking like one of the, one of the weaker uh, 8-0, or are they 9-0? Uh, 8-0, uh, one of the weaker eight no teams that we've seen in recent memory. Although, you know, credit to them. This is the first time the Steelers franchise has ever been eight. No, um, you know, big Ben coming off the injury. You didn't really know what they were going to get. Um, Chase Claypool has been turned to a star for them. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I still have them below the Ravens and the Chiefs for me in the AFC. Um, but still eight, no, you know, they look like they're going to, you know, be in contention for that number one seed, which would be huge. You know, Pittsburgh, I don't know what their COVID rules are, but it's always a tough place to play. Um, I don't know. Like, what, what do you think about the Steelers? You think that they're they're top dog in the AFC, or what do you think about these tight wins? I agree with you. I think that they're definitely below the Chiefs and and to the Ravens. Arguably, you got to give credit to Mike Tomlin here. I think this is his 14th consecutive season with a winning record, um, which is a Hall of Fame stat, if you ask me. Um, but we'll see where he ends up eventually. This game though wasn't wasn't convincing for them. I mean, they really really struggled early on. They were down 13 to nine at halftime uh, before Dallas tacked on another two field goals um, in the third quarter before Pittsburgh scored 15 unanswered in the fourth uh, to pull out a, a narrow win. Um, and and things could have been different maybe if if the Cowboys were playing with Dak because when it came down to that final drive, Garrett Gilbert was not going to be able to deliver a game-winning drive against the, that Steelers defense. That's just too much to ask of him um, in his his first start for the for America's team. Um, so so I agree with you. I think that that the Steelers' record is is not very reflective of of um, the way they've really been playing and in some of the close games they've had. Um, against some opponents this year and let me let me take a look at their schedule coming up um, because they have the Ravens um, on uh, November 26th but other than that it's a it's a pretty cakewalk schedule and if they can get past the Ravens there's a good chance they could win out because they're playing the Jaguars the Bengals uh, the Washington football team uh, the Colts the Browns the Bills uh, so yeah so so Bills and Bills and Ravens I mean if they can get past those two those are going to be the real test for if um, the Steelers really, really deserve that uh, that undefeated record. Yeah, absolutely. I can see them finishing like fourteen to two, which is an incredible season. Um, I just, uh, I still haven't seen them. Uh, I don't know. Like, if they cream, you know, the Ravens coming up, or if uh, I feel like that Bills game is at the last week of the season. That's their last game. Yeah, it's one of the last few weeks. I think it's like their last, second, third to last, something like that. Okay, so, yeah, the Bills will probably be playing for something. Steelers might not, so, you know, can't really fault them if they lose to the Bills. But I think that the second Ravens game will be huge to really determine where they are because I think a lot of people still have, you know, from the preseason, it's Ravens or Chiefs out of the AFC. Um, and if the Steelers beat the Ravens twice, then you got you got to put the Steelers up above the Ravens, I think. But, you know, last game just, you know, last week with Lamar Jackson turning it over four times uh, and they still barely lost, you know, um, you feel like the Ravens will, will handle them moving forward, but you, you never know. I mean, eight knows a eight knows a big accomplishment in this league. Um, 
And then uh, back to a little old-school college football playoff matchup between Kyler Murray and Tua Tagovailoa. The Dolphins beat the Cardinals 34-31. to um, And Tua, I think this was the second career start. Uh, and the Dolphins are now 5-3 and three with the Cardinals. He was 2-0 and as a starter. He's yeah. been killing it. Yeah, I mean, 5-3 and three and really the sort of – seemed like a gamble. We talked about it on the show, um, you know, to, to move away from Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, who they'd won the previous two games, and bring in, you know, Tua, inexperienced. He, he hasn't been playing incredible or anything. He's not tearing it up. Um, still probably below Herbert and Burrow, in uh, my opinion. Um, but they look good. I mean, they look like they might be able to sneak in as a wildcard team. Um, I don't know when they play the Bills. I think that will be a big test. Um, to really see where they're at because the Bills, I think, have, you know, usurped the Patriots, of course, as top dog in the AFC East. But, you know, um, the, the, the Dolphins, they look really good. And, again, if they're winning games and they've got a – like we've talked about with the Chargers, um, they've got a rookie quarterback who looks really good. Um, for a rookie, he's going to be there for a long time. Um, this could be the start of something really good down in Miami, which is good to hear for them because it's been yeah. a while. It's 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 been abysmal for them uh, in recent years, and got to give credit to Kyler Murray too, because um, he threw for over 200 yards, 283. He had three touchdowns. He also rushed for a touchdown in addition to 106 yards on the ground. Um, so he's been playing so well. Uh, I think he's a very good fit over in Arizona. Um, but like you said, got to give credit to Tua. Tua knows a starter. Um, it seems like the the Dolphins plan really worked to perfection with starting off with Fitzpatrick and then slowly phasing in Tua when the time was right and he had had his had his legs underneath him. Um, so really interested to see how the Dolphins can can finish up this season because looking at their schedule right now, um, they have to play the Chiefs, they have to play the Raiders, they have to play the Bills. Um, there's there's a lot of opportunities for them to prove people wrong and and get some big wins under the belt. So I'd be very interested to see how they uh, finish the rest of the season. And then for our last game of the week, let's move into I, – I, was this America's game of the week? I can't tell if this was – if Seahawks and uh, the Bills were it or if this was it. Um, but the Saints get the win over the Buccaneers. And, and to say it was just a win is an understatement because they creamed the Buccaneers. 38-3 to was the final score. Um, the Buccaneers hadn't even scored at halftime, uh, which is kind of crazy to think about. A Tom Brady super team that he's been slowly building up um, – throughout the offseason and this season as well. Saints put up 14 unanswered in the first quarter, 17 unanswered in the second quarter, and never looked back from there. And the Buccaneers got a lone field goal late in the game to, uh, to avoid getting skunked. But what a, uh, what, a, what a statement win for the Saints, who are now 6-2. Uh, now and two. Yeah, this was kind of a crazy unexpected. I think a lot of people thought that, you know, uh, Saints, beat the, Saints beat the Bucs week one, but it was, you know, Brady's first game, everyone's first game in, you know, Tampa Bay. But – this was a, a like this was like didn't even feel like an NFL game. This was incredible. This felt like an exhibition game. Like very strange. Um, you know, I've heard some people say it was you know Brady kind of feeling out the offense with Chris Godwin back and with Antonio Brown back. But I don't know. I mean, this is your division rival um, going zero two against them on the year. Um, they now take the lead back in the division. I believe um, just bizarre that the Buccaneers were not even close to ready to play in this game. Um, you know, they're making Taysom Hill look like, you know, Tim Tebow at Florida out there, which is a joke. I mean, I, yeah. Taysom Hill, what, I, don't get me started. I am not a Taysom Hill fan that much. I, I don't get the appeal. I don't get why he's making so much money, whatever. But the Buccaneers just bizarro, bizarro loss, especially, you know, they, they crush the Packers, who I think a lot of people thought were, you know, more at the top of the NFC than the Saints were. So I, 
I really, we talked earlier about the kind of transitive property in the NFC just being completely messed up by this game. Um, I don't really know what to think going forward. I really don't. After that Packers game, I thought the Buccaneers were the best team in the NFC. I thought they were going to Super Bowl. Now, I don't even know if they're going to make the play. I mean, are they going to lose? Like, I don't know what to think about them anymore. It just really throws off my – I totally agree. This, this really muddies the water for the, uh, for the Buccaneers because I just don't know where to put them after this game. I mean, they just got absolutely dominated. And I don't know where the finger needs to be pointed. Of course, Tom Brady's getting a lot of flack. Um, and uh, Bruce Arians has, has voiced his concern about the quarterback play, and he's looking upset on the field. And he's had his, his lowest QBR in, in recent history in the past couple games with the Buccaneers. Um, but is that because of him, or is that because of his receiving core? I mean, is Gronk, or sorry, is Gronk really starting to show his age? Um, I just really don't know what, where, to, where to point the finger here. Um, what, what are your thoughts? It's a weird – I mean, it, it, you almost wonder if they have too many weapons on offense. As yeah, kind of, like they need a year to get everything together, you know? I yeah. Like football especially, it's not like the NBA where you can just kind of add in guys and let it, let it kind of, you know, work itself yeah. out. With the NFL, you're on such a condensed timeline. It's going to be hard, and so many guys on the field. This isn't like a five-man starting five. You know, this is 11 guys that you have to gel and, and get, you know, a game plan together. And I – I agree with you. I think that could be a big part of it is they just have a lot of pieces, but they don't have the team per se. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. You, you, you almost don't know who to throw to when you've got, you know, like three, four number one options out there. Um, also, you know, credit to the saints. They really came to play their defensive line seemed to, I mean, when we watched the game at my house, people were saying like, wow, it seems like they know Brady snap count better than the O line does. Um, getting to him all night. And then, you know, if you can get to Brady with a four-man rush, that's always been the formula to beat him. Is if you can get there with a four-man rush without blitzing, you could beat Tom Brady um, just because – I mean, you could beat most guys, but that's really the one way to beat Tom Brady. We saw it with the Giants and, you know, other teams in the past. But, yeah, just uh, – this game really threw me for a loop. Um, I don't know. I probably expected – I think a lot of people expect the Buccaneers to win this game. You know, at the not to mention, you know, just keep it close at the absolute very least. Like I, I saw a graphic, you know, from that freezing cold takes Twitter account. Do you follow that? Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, where it's like, you know, everyone on the Fox or uh, NBC pregame and show. They all take, all take the bucks. Yep, yep, yep. It's all bucks. So, yeah, I think a lot of people throw it for a loop, but it makes the league more exciting going forward. You know, be fun to watch. Fun to watch the Buccaneers try and get it together now after it seemed like they had. So I, I don't know. We'll see. All right, let's move into our UFC fight of the week while we got some time because we have a pretty loaded music segment afterwards. Um, but our UFC fight of the week is between Darren Rovell and Clay Travis, who reignited their feud on Twitter. Um, I don't know if reignited, actually. It's been going really this whole time, but it came to a head once again over the weekend. Um, and, and partially, some of the blame goes on Rovell here because he did kind of bring it on himself. But Darren Rovell tweeted out a graphic of his Twitter followers, and he has now lost 9,000 of his 2.2 million followers, um, which he said is because of speaking his mind, because I'm directly quoting this from the tweet, the cost of speaking your mind has never been greater. And it, it, to put this like mathematically, this math is so far off here, but that's like a guy with 100 followers using, losing like one follower. This is a drop in the water for him with, with over 2 million. And then Clay Travis quote tweeted him and said, thanks for your sacrifice, Darren, uh, move over Gandhi and Rosa Parks. We have a new hero. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, and of course it continued under the, uh, under the comments where they started sparring over 
COVID death statistics and infections and all that stuff. This is the most entertaining. This is why I still have Twitter. As much of a distraction it is from school and we have finals week coming up, it is, it's stuff like this that is just so entertaining because these are two guys that I think a lot of people could care less about on both ends too. I mean, it, ever since Darren left ESPN and, and does whatever he does with sports gambling and Clay has never really been like a big mainstream kind of guy in, in the sports world. So these are two guys that are on the bottom tier, just kind of fighting it out. You know, this is like the equivalent of like the Washington football team and the giants going at it. You know, it's just like no one's paying attention, but it's so entertaining to watch. So fun. yeah. And the other big news is that Darren Ravel actually blocked uh, Clay Travis after this exchange. No way. Did he actually? Yeah, I think. So this I mean, might Clay be Travis, it. We're never going to see this fight again. I know. This is gonna, they're going to have to take to the streets. No more, you know, no more Twitter fingers. He's getting the rate. This is it. This has to be a UFC fight now. Yeah. Now, there's a, now that they can't fight on Twitter, they got to fight in real life. Yeah, we, we've called this before, but now we're really calling it. You guys got to meet in the cage. Let's get Joe Rogan on the call. It's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, perfect. I mean, no more paper. Let's, let's, let's get, let's get at it, boys. That'd be incredible. Um, uh, just to see them fight. Oh, I, I would love to see Darren Rovell fight. Yeah. Have you, you've seen him run the 40 yard dash, right? You've seen yep. that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say like, I don't know if I'd love it. I mean, but, but Clay's also like a suburban dad. I mean, he's not going to be much better than, than Darren. It's yeah. not like he's, you know, it, I don't. It's not like he's he's any more athletically superior than Darren. I would say most people are athletic athletically. Okay, superior. but not like a not like a size a big enough gap to no, where it's like you know yeah. it's not like we're gonna have like Mike Tyson versus like you know Darren Rovell. It's gonna I'd say it's be it, it's gonna be pretty fair in terms of um, two guys that that are not specimens by by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I mean, I'd still probably sell my car and put all the money on a. Uh, on Clay Travis, but 100%. I get what you're saying. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move into our music segment. Um, we talked a little bit about this last week. We hinted at it, um, but because there's not a lot going on in the music world, uh, we had that big announcement from Drake a couple weeks back, but since then things have died down. So what Cole and I are going to do is we're going to do an NBA slash NFL style draft. And we're going to draft our own rap group. Um, once someone's off the board, they're done. No one else can pick them. Um, we can just alternate. Cole, if you want the first pick, and what are we doing? We're doing five each, four or five. What do you what want? Do you, what do you think about four and then a singer to provide the chorus? What do you think about that? Oh, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. All right, you, you take first pick. You got it. Sen you get the seniority here. Okay. Um, with my first pick, I'm going to go with Kendrick Lamar. Wow. Uh, I think he, in my opinion, I think he's the best rapper of all time. Um, I think he can really go on a lot of different styles of music. I think he can blend with a lot of different people, but I think on any song that he's on, he is the top dog. Um, and so he's going to be my number one pick. And, and no pun intended there with, with top dog records. That kind of worked yeah. out perfectly. <laughs> uh, I think that the choice is easy for me. I'm going to have to take Drake just because everything he touches is gold. Um, he, he gets all the attention. He has the Midas touch. You really can't go wrong with him. Even if the song is decent, it's still going to jump up to number one and, be all over social media so if, if you're if we're going from like a number standpoint i think drake is is kind of like the obvious choice if you're if you're trying to draw a lot of attention here um but those are two two strong number one picks kdot and drake going going one and two yeah um so yeah you got it with the uh with the third pick here okay um and this is all time rappers correct this could be anyone sure yeah let's good. say it's anyone yeah anyone sure current i could do current what do you think? No, no, they, actually, let's, let's do current just so that we can have the hypothetical of these people getting together one day and it okay. like actually happening. 
Okay. Um, okay, so I've got Kendrick Lamar, and I'm going to add Kanye West to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised he didn't pick him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think Kanye, you know, just do something cool. I think bring a you know, different flair to the group. Um, where it's not just like a jam-packed song. He also has a lot of experience with good music, making these kinds of tracks. So, exactly. I, I, yeah, I think Kendrick and Kanye, I think those are two big names. I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm feeling good about my draft so far. Yeah, this is strong. You're not leaving me with many options here. Um, but I'm going to try and build off this because, you know, I picked Drake first and, with my first pick, and I, I want to kind of build guys around him that he's good with. Um, so I'm going to pick, pick Travis Scott as my, my next guy up. Um, I think that he and Drake are solid. Um, but yeah, Drake's, Drake's my centerpiece here. So I'm just going to build around with people he's collaborated with, but I'll, I'll take Travis next. That was a good pick. That was I, also, pick. I also didn't want you taking Travis on top of everything else you have. That was more of a, <laughs> more of a steal than anything. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, hmm. um ooh, I could probably get that guy later. Um, Okay. Um, for my next pick, I'm going to take a guy who I think would go really well with your roster, but I also know that he's got a lot of unreleased music with Kanye. Um, I don't think he's ever collaborated with Kendrick Lamar, but I think it would be interesting. And I'm going to take Young Thug. Oh man! Oh man! I just think he's got a lot of styles. I think he does a lot of fun stuff, and I, I think the three of them in the studio could really come up with something unique. Um, I like that a lot. I like it a lot. So you have what? You have Kendrick, Kanye, and now uh, now Young Thug. Yep. I'm going to take with my third pick, I'm going to take Future. Um, because, again, I'm building around Drake. So you're going to put Drake and Travis Scott and Future. And they've had, they've had, a song, they've had songs together. Um, Drake, uh, Drake and Future have, of course, What a Time to Be Alive. And, and Travis Scott and Future have as well. Um, you kind of get the genre I'm going for here. It's kind of just going to be like hype music it's not going to be anything too too special um but you know those three it, just the, the history they have together and the, the very kind of similar sounds um i like them together although i feel like mine is going to be more for like a, i don't know how to describe this my music is going to be more geared towards social gatherings while yours is geared more towards like replay value and sitting there and like enjoying it i think i think we're shooting for two different things here Okay. Um, all right. So this is our, our last, last round right here. Yeah, last round. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to pick someone who on your point about more, you know, replay value than, you know, uh, amp up music. Um, someone kind of round out my roster, kind of fit in with everyone. Dark horse. I don't even know if he was on your board, but I'm going to pick push a T. He was on my board. Actually. That's a, that's a, that's a strong move. I like that. Because a, he works really well with Kanye and B, uh -huh. He's going to come for your top guys, for your first picks. He's going to come at him. I think Drake would be a little nervous uh, with Pusha T, you know, throwing in, a, throwing in a verse, you know, making fun of him with all the protection of the top dogs, you know, Kanye and Kendrick. So, I don't know. I think that's kind of a – I don't think he's as A-list of a rapper right now, but I just think he scares Drake and he fits well with uh, the rest of my team. So, those are my four guys. Man, you're leaving me with not a lot to, not a lot to work with here. Uh, so you rounded out your top four with Kendrick, Kanye, Young Thug, and Pusha T. Right now I've got Drake, Travis Scott, Future, um, and I need one more. I don't I know, know where I, I want to – what did you say? I know who I would take if I were you. Oh, man, I don't know where to go here. Um, oh, this is tough. Uh, if, if, if we're going – you know what? I'm, I'm going to go sneaky here. I'm, I'm going to pick two chains to finish out my, uh, my top four. Interesting. Interesting. I want I a guy that has the, the versatility um, 
than and the the possibility of maybe outwrapping Kanye. Yeah, <laughs> push it to. I I was expecting you to go twenty one Savage. I thought he would have fit. Really? Nice I was between, see for me it was between it was between Lil Wayne and and Two Chains. Uh, just because Lil Wayne has the Drake connection, which I yeah. think would work out. Um, but I like Two Chains in there. All right, so let's we got to pick a singer here. You can go you, first here because I, I can go first. Um, oh man, this is tough. I'm between I'm between two here. Um, I'm gonna go with Don Tolliver. That's a okay. kind of a, a a newer guy on the scene, but his voice is so catchy. You combine that with Drake and his appeal, widespread. I feel like you're gonna make a song that is catchy. It's gonna be radio friendly. It's gonna run up the numbers. Um, so he's my guy that I would pick picked to round out my five. Okay, you also have Travis Scott who could sing a little bit too. So that's exactly. The, and they've got the they've got that they've got that history too. Yeah, you, you cheated a little bit, but that's okay. Because um, I was going to pick him too. Um, but I'm going to pick uh, Frank Ocean as my singer. Yeah, okay, that's strong. Uh, he's, he's honestly probably my favorite. Uh, he's got my favorite album of all time, Blonde. Mm-hmm. I love that album. Yeah. Um, and I just think he's done a lot with Kanye before. I think he would really fit in with this a little bit more, you know, I don't want to call it artsy hip hop, but like we've talked. Yeah, about. no, I get I get what you're going for there. Yeah, it, for me, it was it was between between Don and Sway Lee. That's what I was trying mm-hmm. to trying to go with, um, or yeah. or the weekend. But I don't know if the weekend kind of meshes with these guys as much as Sway Lee would or Don Tolliver. All right, yeah. so so let's finish this out here. So you have you were going with Kendrick, Kanye, Young Thug, Pusha T, um, and Frank Ocean. Yeah, and for me, uh, Drake, Travis Scott, Future, Two Chains, Don Tolliver. I don't know. I feel like you got me beat pretty well there. <laughs> once, once you pick Kanye with your second pick, uh, that didn't really leave me with a lot to, to, to work around with. The thing is, like, if I heard that my team was coming out with an album, I would be more excited than about your team. Yeah, but 100%. If I, heard, if I heard there was one song by both these groups, I'm clicking on your team's first, like, by a month. Here's the thing. Once you got Kendrick, I couldn't let you get Kendrick and then Drake. I had to, I had to, I had to separate the get a separation of powers there so that it wasn't too, <laughs> wasn't too overpowered on one side. <laughs> I will, well, that's all we have for this episode of Got to Take This. We will be back for our last episode of the semester next week, same time, same place here on WLUR Lexington. But thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm Crawford Humphreys. He is Cole Heisner. Um, oh, we got to get a get a uh, outro song on our way out of here. What do we yeah. think? Uh, we can do champions, another yeah, like a rap life rap group. There you go, or pseudo rap group. Yeah, yeah, champions by the by the good music label. That'll be on our way out. But thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check us out. Anchor.fm slash Gotta Take This, and we will see you all next week for our last episode. I'm about to hit the yay button I don't want to say nothing wrong But it'd be wrong if I ain't say nothing Imagine if I ain't say something Wouldn't none say nothing I done lost and made money Now I'm making something they can't take from me And I'm fresh out of debt in this m- And they still ain't ready yet for a m- Yeezy might have to go put his Louis on I'm about to go Gucci in a Gucci store Fresh out the beds in this m- and they still ain't ready yet for no. Gucci mine and I'm about to put my Yeezys on. Uh-huh. Now that Gucci home is over for you, Gucci clone.